Cinemodities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, I'm very happy to announce that we are starting a brand new series. Uh, thanks to everyone, all our, our acquaintances or experts or whatever we called them for our Unsolved Mysteries episodes. Uh, but now we are diving into something different. Uh, it's, uh, this first one is going to have a little bit of, of mystery in it. I think a lot of these will. Um, but just to preface things, uh, this series was something that Zach gave me a, a little bit of choice, you know. So I think the kind of wounds have healed. All the scars that on his Zach's eyes after the foreign animation series have kind of calloused over, and he was ready ready for me to give him some more stuff. Um, Zach shot down the pornography series. He said we should wait a little bit longer till we do that. So instead, we are kicking off our visual album series. And very happily, I am so excited to say we are talking about something I've been waiting to discuss Ever since we started this podcast, 2010's Odd Sack by Animal Collective. All right. So I guess right off the bat, Zach, have you ever heard of this before I started to ramble about it to you whenever that was? <laughs> I've never heard of this before, unsurprisingly. Okay, okay. And, be- and before so. Rob explains any of this, uh, <laughs> I think we've, we've established it kind of slightly. But I'll, once again, we're take another break and we're going to play a song of Zach's choice. This is the kind of music that Zach likes. And there you go. So keep that in <laughs> mind. This is my taste of music in what Rob is throwing me into right now with Odd Sack. All right. So, yeah, I'm, that's a good thing to say. So, you know, we we have our own, as it's been, like Zach said, somewhat established, our own opinions on music, our own flavors that we really prefer, things like that. Uh, I, I will not uh, beat around the bush. Animal Collective is my favorite band. They are a huge inspiration to me in my own music and my own creativity. This is a huge part of that inspiration. Their visual album, Odd Sack, also all their other albums. Uh, from everything to the first album, Spirit They've Gone, Spirit They've Vanished. Zach's never heard it, but it's a grand old hour of a lot of static and feedback. It's fantastic. Uh, to the more recent Painting With from 2016, uh, specifically the song Floridada. I don't know if Zach's ever heard it, but when you hear it, it gets stuck in your head uh, for about a year and a half. Very catchy. They have a wide variety of music. We're going to talk about that when we get into this album. Um, but I'm glad you said it, Zach. You know, this is something that you you probably wouldn't have listened to on your own. Is that safe to say? Oh, definitely. <laughs> it's not it's oh, not right. pop music, so automatically there's a very slim chance that I'd ever get to it. Ooh, I'm glad you bring that up because uh, one of the ways the music industry classifies Animal Collective is actually as 
experimental pop music. <laughs> I've never I, heard that before. Never I would heard say that. that. I would say that they're. I wouldn't say that they're truly experimental pop, but uh, that is a, a label they often get branded with. Um, so okay. Uh, so I guess just for uh, kind of where you can see Odsec, I think it exists on YouTube. You can find it, you know, and it's all 52-minute entirety. Uh, it's also available on DVD. Uh, I don't think it's on Spotify, just the album, but if, you know, you type a, a few things, you know, Odsec, Reddit, uh, into Google, I'm sure you can find someone who's ripped it on there. It's a good album. I think it's one of the best Animal Collective albums. If you're a fan and you haven't heard this one, check it out. It's great, the music and the visuals. Zach, do you have any any overarching questions about Animal Collective before we get into Odsec? Anything you want to know, or or is there anything? Are you just overwhelmed at this point? Oh, <laughs> uh, I actually took notes for this, which is Ooh. rare for me. I usually don't take notes. Nice, but we'll get into that in a moment. But no, right off the bat, uh, there are so many questions; it's hard to limit it just a handful right now. Okay, okay. So so I think as we go through this, uh, we'll hit some things. Uh, that I want to talk about. I don't have much that I think I want to say uh, overarching, um, but I, I think that this deserves somewhat of a, of a breakdown, you know? I mean, this is the 13-track album, 13-scene, I'm doing air quotes, uh, visual album. Um, I think that we can, we can just charge through, because as Zach might disagree with me, there is somewhat of a story here. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, that's a loaded statement. As I was watching this, I was working on a uh, a project of mine where I was painting something, and I kind of like I would keep I was taking periodic notes. Mm -hmm. I have ten bullet points. Okay, uh, much like how Rob likes it when I describe things by just my very uh, removed opinion of them, or or so far <laughs> outside of the the world that he's living in. This is how I broke down the following uh, Animal Collective Odd Sack visual album. Mm -hmm. Number one. Woman, house, fire, silly hat man. That's all number one. That's all number one. Okay. <laughs> number two, melting faces, creature writing. Number three, clown washing skull in river, the kid. <laughs> number four, Beatles song by the water. At one point there was a song that I'm pretty sure it was, the, it was written by the Beatles. We never got unreleased Beatles music. Number five. Oh, this is one of my favorite parts. Monkeys in the snow. And bugs. The bugs is as an exclamation mark at the end. Okay. You should, you should, I would hope you would know most of what I'm talking about. I think I, I think I have great ideas of exactly what songs you're referring to. <laughs> Number six. Guy in the rocks with Harry Twirling Man. Oh, how can you how can you not like the Harry Twirling Man? <laughs> Alright. This is my favorite description. Okay. Rob Zombie's Wet Dream. That's number seven. <laughs> oh, and my personal favorite segment, or I don't know, what would you describe it? Segment? A vignette? How would you describe these? I guess I've always thought of it as, as track, because the, the track names I've always kind of uh, tied very tightly together with this visual album. So I think segment or track is a good name for it. All right. Numbers eight and nine are my favorite. Um, the home movies in the woods with marshmallows. <laughs> um, number nine, day, uh, day shift zombie. Yes. <laughs> and number 10, indoor coven and silly hat man dance party. <laughs> those, those are, um, so just like, 
somewhat like what you did, Zach. I have some some summaries of the tracks as well that we can get to. But but no, y- yours are yours are pretty descriptive. I think I uh, I would say that that was a fairly accurate uh, summary of this visual album. <laughs> that that scares me in one way. That's <laughs> oh okay okay. So so I guess now that we got Zach's breakdown, his notes. I like those notes. We'll get into some of these these tracks or segments and scenes in more detail. But I guess I got to say overall, what did you think? What did you think, Zach? As a visual album, you know, this is the second one we're ever doing. The first one was Endless. Now you got Odd Sack, probably the two extremes at just of the spectrum of what's going on on the screen at any given time. What'd you think? Overall reactions? Not enough Playboy Bunny sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> I think this uh, this has a total count of zero Playboy Bunny sweaters, right? Yeah, very disappointed in that. Okay, De- well, definitely if, need more Playboy Bunny sweaters. If you can look past that, what what else? Uh, no, as I was watching this, there was many times the phrase uttered was, "What does he have me watching?" I probably watched it in the worst way possible. I put it on my tablet and I was watching it. Okay. So I, I was doing it in like broad daylight. So again, worst <laughs> way to be watching this possible. And but as I like I said, a couple of times it got my attention. As okay, I am not a music person. I'm the furthest thing from music. Much how like I make fun of people who like like only watch like Marvel movies. Like they're eating mm-hmm. a quarter pounder and crapping it out. That's essentially what I do with music. Like I love. Like, I'll listen to a a pop song and start another one here. Listen to it like nonstop for like three weeks and just completely throw it away into like a year from now. I hear it again. I'm like, oh, I like that. And that's pretty much that's my Lynch Rather repeat of music. Okay. So as I'm watching this, like a lot of it in my um, very uh, tone deaf way, it, it, it's noise. A lot of what's mm. just going on. It's like, OK, there's there's noise, uh, weird visuals for the sake of having weird visuals. Uh, the thing, like as I'm watching, like I was thinking, does it again? I was looking at it under the guise of is it a cinemodity? Mm-hmm. Which certain parts of it definitely are, but we'll get to that in due time. Sure. But no, certain parts are are very imaginative, like things I like, much like the day shift zombie. I love the day shift zombie. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes in this whole thing. Yes, because I feel like there's actual craftsmanship that go that went into it. Yeah, like, it's like like I have no musical prowess yeah i feel i could have done some parts of this just as well it's mm-hmm. like ma- noise weird visual with like this light jumping around it's like boom here you go where do you, where's my record contract and, like, <laughs> and so like that's what like, when i look at this stuff i'm like it's just a lot of it's just nonsense i don't want to say nonsense because obviously somebody put effort into it it means something to some people mm-hmm. clearly i'm i'm talking to one of them right now where it does indeed <laughs> But no, certain like the, the visual elements obviously the part that captivated me more yes. than the, the music. But the one musical thing that actually I did like was the Beatles song. There's a point in this where there's okay. a song played that sounds something very derivative of the Beatles. I don't mean that negatively, but I can I can feel the Beatles reverberations throughout the track. Oh yeah, we're gonna get to that one. That is uh that's a that's a big a big part of this visual album. It's also a big part, I think, of, of Animal Collective's career, and also 
of, you know, kind of my uh, perception of music. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Good. I like what you're saying, Zach. You know, kind of what I expected. You were looking at those visuals more than the sounds. Um, but we'll get into those. But that's kind of what I'm looking for. You know, I love that perspective um, that you, you know, have this very different outlook on these things. So I'm happy to kick off this visual album series with one of the craziest things I got in my arsenal. <laughs> okay. Anything else or do you want to start? I want to get into it. Ready? Yep. Okay. So... Um, what was your first note? I think that's what I want to hear one more time for the start of this one. What was um, your first, your number well, one? Well, my first note was when I was really kind of know how to like describe half of this stuff. So like, okay. I was kind of just writing down what I saw. Um, woman house, fire, silly hat man. And so, oh yeah. Cause, um, okay. Now I remember it's come back to me now because what it was is it was like a, a flaming torch mob coming toward the woman. She's like in the house pacing back and forth and mm-hmm. she starts digging through the bleeding wall. Like that's that's an interesting visual, mm-hmm. but at the same time, though, it comes across very like I've seen it before. Like it, it's it reminded me very much like Red Letter Media, like half in the bag, the little like set they have in Mister Plunkett's house. It's just a lockdown. <laughs> it's a lockdown camera. There's obviously a green screen or there's a window, and someone put a green screen in there, and they're superimposing or. or What's that called? Matting in a shot. It's yeah, like pitchforks yeah. outside. There's a silly hat man who's just doing his thing. And that's, like I said, yeah, that that was my, that, I really didn't know how to describe that other than just simply writing down what happens in crude detail. Sure, sure. And so, so uh, just so we're all on the same page, we're going to talk about the first first scene, first segment, first track. This song is called Mr. Fingers. This is oh, is that long- silly hat man? This is, uh, so... I think so. I would like to say that Silly Hat Man is Mr. Fingers, but Silly Hat Man is not credited as such. Silly Hat Man is actually talked about as a warrior. That's what he's referenced to, or referenced as, I should say. Oh. I never really got warrior. I always got the sense that he was some type of, you know, like amph- like humanoid amphibian. Like, it looks very frog-like, the hat thing that he has on. You know, it looks like there's these big frog eyes on the top of it. Um... So I never really got warrior. Um, I also I always thought it was kind of part of him and not just a hat. That's the impression I got. Um, oh fun no, it's, def- it's definitely a part of him though. But I like imagine. But it is it just a hat. hat. Yes. <laughs> it's a very so, silly hat, but I like it. Yes. Oh yeah. If I had one of those hats, that'd be I would wear it all the time. Um, it's not a Playboy Bunny sweater, but it's pretty close. <laughs> you could get one of those hats and put a Playboy Bunny decal on it. <laughs> uh, maybe I can wear the Playboy sw- Playboy Bunny sweater as I'm wearing the silly hat. Now, now you're talking, Zach. That's that's the way. I figured that's it out. The, the person that plays uh, Silly Hat Man, the creature, the warrior, uh, that is actually David Portner. Otherwise, uh, his stage name, Av Tear, the lead singer of Animal Collective. So they all appear in this movie. I don't know if Zach picked up on that. <laughs> But uh, we'll point him out, and A.V. Tear starts right off the bat. So, yes, so, Zach, you said something in your breakdown of this scene. I thought it was an apt breakdown. You got the fire-swinging mob led by, you know, Mr. Fingers, maybe, coming to this house. They're kind of getting closer. This one woman's in the house. And and how did you describe it? She was, like, digging into the black goo? Or, she was or digging, the... like, into the walls and making it bleed. Okay, so, see, I've always gotten the impression that she was trying to stop it from leaking out. So that's really interesting that you have kind of the opposite, that she was causing it to come out. I've always gotten the impression that, like, it started to gush from this one spot in the wall and she was continuously trying to put it back in. No. 
No, I, I mean, yeah, so we see it differently, <laughs> of course, but that's cool. You know, I've, I've must have watched this, you know, hundreds of times, and I've never, I've always thought about it as well, okay, okay this getting should, this stuff this away from This should have been a preliminary question on my part. What kind of drugs do I take before watching this so I appreciate it properly? Do I, just, like, do I just open up the medicine cabinet and just swallow, like, the first, like, four pills, like, bottles I grab and hope for the best? Like, there's got to be, like, I imagine how I viewed it was probably the worst way possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, in daylight on a tablet while you, well, no, while you're painting something isn't the worst thing. Um, sober. So, <laughs> no, I've seen this sober. It's it's just as good. Um, you know what? To be fair, the first time I saw this, I had uh, smoked weed out of a soda can. So I, I probably was higher from the paint that burnt off the soda can than the actual marijuana. So take that, Zach. You got to huff some paint. And then okay, gotcha. <laughs> no, I actually don't recommend huffing paint. Uh, a, a, a safer hallucinogenic would probably do the trick. I know Zach's got just a whole freezer full of those, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but yes, so we have some differing opinions so far. But, but anyway... This first song, Mr. Fingers, like I said, the longest one on the album, this is a beautiful song. I really, really love this song, and I think this is one of the ones that it, it isn't just noise. I agree with what Zach said about some of the songs on this album, that they are just kind of, you know, constant noise and, and Animal Collective. That's kind of one of their uh, hallmarks, one of their signature styles is that kind of droning, slightly changing patterns of noise and things like that, and they do take advantage of this. But this first song, you know, has full set of lyrics, has very good effects. I think the looping of the vocals are really well done. And man, just that that start to the whole visual album where there's like that shot of the grass and blackness and there's just silence. And then, you know, like the didgeridoo or whatever noise comes in, just that deep like it is such a fantastic start to it. I love this song. Mr. Fingers is one that I, I definitely listen to uh, separate from this album. I think it's a, a pretty accessible song. Did the music from the first, the very beginning, stand out to you at all? I, you I, know, because okay. it, it does get a little catchy at a certain point, I think at least, because, you know, they're like, up above, up above, up above, and it's just kind of looping and looping, and, you know, you get... You get into it at least at least i do <laughs> the only the only song that registered to me was the beatles song like some of the okay, stuff like okay. some of the stuff was going on and like you say it wasn't it wasn't horrible like i would imagine there's worse things rob's gonna make me listen to over the course of this podcast <laughs> not this episode but just in general but uh no like where the frank ocean thing kind of just bored me to death i'm like what, what like, this is this, this put me to sleep very easily this was mm -hmm. at least there was there was energy yes there's a lot of energy in this from both the visuals and the music which is i appreciate that i mean if i don't like it Mm -hmm. Like I said, I, I do not like judging music because I, I have no taste in it whatsoever. Oh, no, so fair, fair. I, I, I do not judge something that I'm not qualified to uh, judge. Gotcha. Okay. Or, well, and uh, that's really I think the the first. Um, so that that's fine. You know, that's I'm I'm not I'm not gonna pull your teeth for some musical analysis because it's already it's already perfect music, Zach. <laughs> oh, okay. Good. Good. Um, so 
so I think that this, the only other thing I have to say about this first uh, song, this first scene, is that it, it sets up, you know, Silly Hat Man. I, li- I like calling him Silly Hat Man. Um, because he, he comes up at the end, you know, he, we're yes. back in this house with the, with he the woman. Hosts, he hosts a dance party at the end. Yeah, yeah. So I think that kind of him, Silly Hat Man approaching this house and these women in this house, that's kind of one of the main kind of arcs to this visual album. And this is where it starts. That's kind of where the whole story begins, where, you know, um, they're approaching this house and this woman is either trying to put goo back into the wall or stop it from coming out or she's causing it to to bleed into her house. Who knows? That's our that's our differing opinion so far. But that's where our setup is. And I think we continue that immediately into the second song. Second song is called Kindle Song. And I believe Zach described this as the melting faces. Is that this? Yes. One? And there's some okay. sort of like, and there's some sort of creature that's like writhing like a couple times when it's not this, the melting faces. Yeah. And so you're talking about it shows someone's like you know from their their shoulders up and they're like kind of just like squirming in in goo, right? Yes. I don't know what it is. It's yeah. I mean, the fact that I wrote creature. So I think. That that is the woman from the first song. She couldn't stop the black goo from coming out, so it overtook her, and now she's on the floor writhing in it, and we just have, like, this kind of zoomed-in overhead shot of her being overtaken by it. That's how I've perceived that that kind of transition. All right, that makes as much sense as anything else. Um, But, you know, your your analysis from the first one is, is just as apt, because what if she was like, you know, I need a full body like deep clean oil scrub let me punch the oil like the crude oil made in my wall and just have it overwhelm me so you know this doesn't uh i think that that's the woman in either way but you know it doesn't really give us an answer to if she caused it or not we've all been there before trying to scratch the crude oil main in our houses <laughs> at like eye level in the wall right <laughs> all been there so, so the other thing that I, I want to say about this song, um, I really like this song. This is another one that I really, really enjoy. I think this is a much creepier song, especially when the vocals pick up. You know, it's very light and very kind of ominous. But this is where we get, for the first time, something that's going to come up throughout the rest of this visual album. And I have come to, over the years since I've had this and been watching it, to refer to these as seizure swirls. <laughs> So we have many scenes in this movie where there are just, like, prolonged flashes of swirling light just on the screen. And and if you are prone to seizures, you should not watch this because this will definitely give you a seizure. Um, there's sometimes I watch this late at night, you know, when I got just nothing else on. It's my TV and I'm like super tired, intoxicated, whatever. And I think I'm going to have a seizure from watching this so much. So, so this is the first song where they introduce us to those seizure swirls, and that's going to come up again. Um, I'm guessing you didn't get too much of the effect of the seizure swirls because you said you watched it in the middle of the day, and so you had some other, you know, your pupils were already, like, pinpointed, so you weren't absorbing too much light, right? No, but no, I, I get what you're talking about, though, because there's a lot, it's a lot of just, oh, God, kinetic light energy. Yes. It's just kind of, it's going all over the place. Yeah. That that I don't like because I think it I think it's cheap. I think that's lazy. It doesn't take much. You superimpose a head into it. Um yeah, that's, that's sure. not my cup of tea. Sure. Not not, okay. not my yeah. not my cup of tea. I've seen it done before and I've seen it done better. Okay. So so you know what? That's a fair point, Zach. I'll give you that. The thing that I have to say is I agree with what you said. They 
I've, you've seen it before, you know, it, it's something that, you know, a, a visualizer that you can download for free on the internet can do. Hell, you know, Windows Media Player, you know, probably <laughs> has a visualizer that looks something similar to what we see in this movie. Um, for me, it, it really is that pairing of the music and the visuals. Uh, because even though we have these seizure swirls, we're still on Kindle Song, the second track. This is a great example of it. You know, those seizure swirls kind of change and react to the music much like a visualizer would, but uh, but I, I really appreciate it. You know, I, I've always found it well done. And it, you know, I, I am biased. Animal Collective is my favorite band, so but that that really is what does it for me. But you know, speaking of in terms of how easy it is to create, I think you mentioned something along those lines. That's an interesting point. I, I really don't know how it was created. You know, how uh, Animal Collective and Danny Perez, the director of this and the guy who did a lot of the visuals, how he constructed these seizure swirls. I, I am unaware. Good point. Good point. Okay. So, what was your th- was your third point about the the clown, or was that the uh, fourth? Third point, yes. Clown washing the skull in the river, which explains a lot about your taste, your like uh, taste in skulls. <laughs> okay. So this moves on to the third track, which is known, which is titled "Satin Orb Wash." So satin, as in like satin sheets, the material. Satin orb wash. And it's interesting that you say you you bring up skulls. I've never really thought this was a skull. Oh, I, it definitely has a skull-ish texture, but I I think it really is just kind of some type of orb. It's just some type of ball. Like it doesn't really have the shape of a skull. And 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 you know, based on the song title, it, you know, that's a satin orb, whatever a satin orb might be, and he's washing them. You know, so that's that's an instance where I think that that song title kind of relates to what we're seeing and hearing. Um, but the other thing I want to bring up is that he, you called him a clown. So this clown is credited or referred to as a knight. <laughs> of course. Why not? And so he is actually played by, uh, another animal collective member, Brian Weitz or geologist, the drummer of animal collective, his stage name, geologist, geologist. Uh, so that's Brian Weitz. He is the person washing orbs and he's going to come back later. He's the dude swinging, swinging shit in front of the waterfall later on. Um, oh yeah, it's written here somewhere. I gotta figure out where I wrote that. Oh, that's a Harry Twirling Man. Yes, so Harry Twirling Man and the clown in your notes are one and the same. Oh boy, so much now makes sense. <laughs> Those bridges are getting built, Zach. <laughs> You're so much appreciating the music more left and right. <laughs> okay, so so you you picked up on the the clown washing washing the skulls or the orbs, whatever. I think this is the start of a different storyline or a different story arc in terms of the visual album. I don't think that this really relates to the creature or Silly Hat Man or the woman in the house. I think this is where we're starting to get some other information. Because not just in this song do we get to see the knight or the clown washing these orbs, but we get to see the the bumpy skinned person. I don't know how to describe him. Like it's a person sitting in this weird like frog mouth bed, and he's like saying these very slow, creepy dialogue. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't remember that part. No, so it's in between uh, the shots of the of the guy of the night washing these orbs. There's this person like sitting upright in this weird bed type of thing, and he's providing most of the lyrics for the song. And then whenever it switches over to the person washing the orbs, that's when we just kind of hear grunting. Like a good bit of satin orb wash, the third track, is like, mm, 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 
mm, like that noise over and over and over. That's one thing I picked up too. There's a lot of repetition in just sound effects. Yes, yes, that is a that is a, a very large feature of Animal Collective, I would say. Um, but so so you don't remember this dude in the bed? This is not the kid. The, no, not the kid. It's before the kid because the kid is the oh. one who says, you know, he hates everything. He only he hates eats nothing but green beans or something like that, right? Yeah, he hates chocolate. He hates everything but green beans. So this is after the clown watching the skull in the river, but before the kid. Yeah, I would say it's kind of intercut with the oh. with the clown washing the orbs in the river. Oh well, you know what? It might just all blur. After a while, you see enough kind of crazy crap on the screen, it just blurs together. So you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I think at this moment, Zach has like an Allagash abduction experience, <laughs> and he's only going to get those memories if we do some hypnotherapy session. <laughs> the weird thing about this is that when we did like Perfect Hair Forever, and I almost lost my sanity, mm -hmm. um, that felt like it lasted like 17 hours, like the 40 minutes of Perfect Hair Forever. This was 52 minutes, and I was shocked at how fast it went by. Oh, okay, okay. So there's a good chance I was probed or there was some missing time involved with all this. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I mean, that could be the case. Maybe, like, every time you watch this movie, it's a signal to creatures to come and probe you. For Mr. Fingers to come and probe you. Who knows? <laughs> and, and do a dance party. No okay. means no, Mr. Silly Hat Man. <laughs> all right. So, as Zach mentioned, uh, we see a kid. And this kid has a line that says he hates chocolate, he hates everything but green beans. Uh, that's the only time we see this kid. And then for the remainder of the song, which is aptly called Green Beans, we just get a flowing heat map of colorful reds and blues. Like, it just kind of melds together. You know, you know what I'm you know, We're on the same page, right? Uh, it happened a couple times in this, and I stopped. I, I, after the initial time, I stopped the... the, the the oh god, the Windows Media Player visualizer. I kind of just gave up on noting that. Okay, so this this is one where it is very uh, very fluid. So the the colors kind of you know continuously transition together. Whereas you know one later on we get to some of the visualizer stuff. It's much more jagged. It's much more edged. Um, you know you can see the distinct colors. You know this is much more like a heat map. Like I said, uh, you just have different hues of reds and blues kind of flowing together continuously. Um, this song is incredibly repetitive. This song is very, very light. I think it's just like bells, basically. Um, the one thing I want to say about Green Beans, this song, it's not one of my favorite songs on this album. It's not one of my favorite Animal Collective songs either. Um, it's similar to a lot of stuff they've done in the past. When I watched this back when I actually bought the DVD, you know, which was the summer it came out, and you know, I think I got it maybe... Uh, September or October after it came out in August when I first learned about it and Animal Collective um, I watched this with a bunch of other people and as, as I was a freshman in undergrad I watched this with like people in my dorm um, and first time seeing this for me and for the other people during this scene with all these flowing colors and stuff some like it was completely silent someone said I think this is the sex scene <laughs> and that, that, that will always stick with me because this actually made someone think that. And, you know, whether they thought it was just a joke among kids in college watching something fucking crazy or they actually thought it like every time I watch this now, that's good. this is the sex scene. <laughs> that's good. I got that. that that's funny. So next time you watch this, Zach, keep that in mind. You know, after the kid talks about green beans, we're just going into that sex scene. 
<laughs> Next time anything gets a little too esoteric, I'm going to say, I think this is the sex scene. <laughs> I think this is the sex scene. <laughs> That's going to be my go-to line from now on anytime I'm confused about something. Nice. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's a good line. <laughs> All right. Now we're getting somewhere. So at the end of Green Beans, the beautiful uh, reds and blues colors that blend together, uh, they kind of turn into feedback and static. We get a lot of kind of, you know, uh, skipping sounds, like skipping record or skipping mechanical sounds. Um, and you see some faces, you see some flashes, and that all kinds of fades out. And we go into the fifth track on the album, which is by far the best song on the album. It is by far one of the greatest Animal Collective songs. It is called Screens. And this, what we get to see during Screens, is the vampire, or the zombie, as I think Zach has called it, um, rowing a boat across a lake. And we get some shots of trees and light, you know, sunset or something going across that lake. And this is what Zach is calling the Beatles song. Beatles is interesting. I definitely get the Beatles flair. But before Beatles, I would much more say Beach Boys. Oh, six to one, half dozen the other. <laughs> okay, we could do a whole episode about about that discussion right there, the Beach Boys versus the Beatles. But but yes, I'm glad you picked up on this. This is an accessible song. This yeah. is a this is a song that you know, like you said, it stood out to you. I think this song is something that would stand out to anyone, not just because it's coming after you know all of this kind of crazy nonsense and flashing lights. The visuals are much more calmer. The song is much more calmer. It's just beautiful. It, it's, a, it's an amazing song. I love it. Um, this is actually my go-to song. Whenever I have a guitar and you get those people who are like, play me something, this is what I'll play. They will never know it. No one has ever known this song, you know, because I feel like they expect me to play like an American Woman or something like that or a Lenny Kravitz song. But this is my go-to. I'm glad this stood out to you, Zach, because I love this song so much. Like, we should just play it on loop. Can we put, like, 40 minutes of this song in as a clip? Is that acceptable? I don't think Animal Collective is as litigious as the Unsolved Mysteries people. <laughs> oh, man. No, I don't think they are either. Um, but this, this song, this song is so good, uh, and I need to bring it up. I already said it. The song's accessible. I think Zach is agreeing with me on that point. The existence of this song and this album makes makes me bothered when other people kind of say that this visual album is unaccessible. Like when you, whenever you hear about Animal Collective or Odd Sack, I think the people who don't fully ap appreciate them, they will kind of write them off as just noise, nonsense, whatever. Like you know, it's just someone can sit in front of a machine and just slam their hands on the keys and get this stuff. Like there's much more to it in the crea creative process. But you cannot just say that Odd Sack is an inaccessible album, especially when there's songs like this that make you think of the Beatles, that make you think of the Beach Boys, that, that can actually stand out to you in things like that. So basically the point I'm trying to make is this is kind of a, a cross-section, a sample of Animal Collective's work. I mentioned before, you know, from their first album, which is Static and Feedback, 
to their last album, which is very much just catchy, popish stuff, you know, they were trying to give kind of a good sample of everything they had on their visual album. And we have the crazy nonsense that's just repetitive, harsh noises. And we have this beautiful, melodic expression of, of sound, of emotion, and of visuals. It's beautiful. Um, I would say that this is kind of the one of the high points of the album. And it's a fantastic piece of artist of art, artistry, I should say. Glad it stood out to you. Would you uh, listen to this song again, you think, Zach? That's my question for you. Do you think this is something, like you mentioned you'd like binge a song for three months and then throw it away? Would this ever make it onto that rotation? Probably not. Probably not? No. Probably not. What if, what if next time I see you, and you know, because like you always do, you always ask me to play you a song on the guitar, you know, I played this for you. Would that get you into it? <laughs> I'd be willing to listen to it, but there's no guarantees I'd like it. <laughs> Zach would be like, I would never listen to it again. <laughs> Your rendition would ruin it for me. <laughs> I would want to hear a Taylor Swift cover of this. Ooh. Now that would be interesting. I would love to hear Taylor Swift say, because like the last like minute of this song is them saying, you know, why do I keep seeing screens over and over? And so that'd be interesting for Taylor Swift, how she would sing it. I like it. I'll, I'll make you a deal. I'll listen to this album again if you get Taylor Swift to cover it. <laughs> you know, how many more? Are you saying you'll listen to this album once more? Yes. <laughs> just, just once? Just once. Just, just once, once. Up to this song. <laughs> oh, if, you mean, get, if you get Taylor Swift to cover the Odd Sack album. Yo. That would be one of the coolest things. To get her to cover the whole album. That would be awesome. That would be really cool. We got to get oh. her to join forces with uh, the Flaming Lips and cover this. All right. How how do we um how many who do we tweet to about this? Who do we tweet? Does, does Taylor Swift manage her own tweets or does Probably she have not. Like, Yeah, she has like a team of people, right? I would imagine. Okay, so I mean, I don't know. Brick through a window. Does that still? Work? <laughs> <laughs> Is that still like a go-to? Like you stra- rubber band a note to a brick. We can always try it home. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the first step. And then a follow-up email. <laughs> I figure a follow-up brick. <laughs> a follow-up brick to the first brick? Well, you usually throw a brick through the window, you wait like five minutes, and then you'll get a response <laughs> to another brick and hope for the best. Yeah, the second brick says, hey, hope you got my first brick. <laughs> oh, okay, I like it, I like it. Yeah, well, that'll be an update. We'll see, Um, you know how many episodes get deferred because I got arrested for throwing bricks through windows. (laughs) All right. So screens is beautiful. I love it. Um, But the other thing I want to say about this song is this is our introduction to the vampire. And as you called it a zombie, right? Right, Zach? No, not yet. He might have been in this, but I didn't refer to him as that yet. This, um, this is actually referred to as a sad vampire. (laughs) So yeah, I kind of, I kind of got that vibe later in this that he was, he wasn't yeah. a uh, a zombie. You know, he looks like a zombie. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And so the uh, the vampire, the sad vampire, uh, is paddling across the lake or this body of water as screens plays and the sun is setting. And that's another reason I think why I get that vampire vibe. You know, he's coming out when the sun's going down. Um, so this sad vampire, 
This is the third member of Animal Collective we get to see in this movie. And it's Josh Dibb, or Deacon, and he does a lot of the auxiliary and the sound effects and stuff like that. So he's a very much the uh, big part, the sound editor of Animal Collective. Position in a band, I greatly appreciate. And he has a large part in this as the sad vampire. So this is the next kind of major arc that we have, is this vampire kind of coming out when night has fallen. And as I'm sure we're going to get to, we he's going to get to kind of feast on some people. And then, you know, try and, and make it back uh, out of the sun before, you know, the sun comes out. So, screens, it's beautiful. Check it out. Um, and then next, I think uh, we go back into the visualizer, Hell. I think this one is actually Hell. I was really intrigued by, by Zach's summary. I think this is the one that you said monkeys and bugs or something? Oh, like yes. That? Oh, yes. I like my description for this. Monkeys in the snow and then... Uh, later I wrote and bugs exclamation mark (laughs) so so my summary for this this song uh, the sixth track on the album urban cream uh, I I call it entering the dimension of colored static that's what it's always made me think of like it's static you know like like a TV channel static a little more you know kind of radiating from the center rather than just kind of uniformly across the screen and it's continuously changing colors a lot of it stays white, but, you know, some portions of it change colors pretty quickly, pretty sharply to the music. Colored static. Where did you get monkeys from? There's, like, monkey sound. It's like, ooh, 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 ah, 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 ah. And you have, like, the pixelation oh, okay. of snow. Then, like three quarters of the way throughout the song, you hear like bur- you hear like uh, bugs like making noise. And I'm like, and bugs. Okay, okay. Not the I rabbit, think... like the creepy crawlies. Yes, yes. Okay, I could see that. I guess right on. Um, that's an interesting perspective. Okay, so this song is, um, I think, w- one of the big kind of features of Animal Collective as artists. One of their foundations of how they create music is they they look at music as how it can fill a space. And so they're very interested in, you know, what can we create to, to like, fill up a room or something like that. And kind of as a corollary to that idea, it's not just can we fill a room with space, but can we fill the room with so much space that it makes it uncomfortable? That's a very interesting idea, I think, and it's something that I've tried to do in a lot of my own music. They succeed. This is something like five minutes of colored static and very repetitive music. It still makes me uncomfortable when I watch it. You know, when I watch it dead on, like just focusing on nothing but this and just constant color changings, constant slight, you know, over and over and over. to grade on you this is a tough part of this visual album to get get through i would say and i'm sure zach you know like he said before he was just willing to look away and just kind of take some stuff in when he knew he was getting on that the movie or the visual album was getting on that kick but this one is long this goes on for a while i think 
were you pulling your hair out or anything? <laughs> Consider some of the weird stuff you have me watch on this, where I question my sanity. This this wasn't one of it though. I was okay. um, I guess this is where I kind of like tuned out. Mm-hmm. Where like I'm working on my thing, so I'm listening to the music more than anything else. And periodically, when I hear like a sharp noise, so every four seconds, yeah. I'll look up at the screen because <laughs> I was listening to it to the point where I picked up on the fact the monkeys kind of died down and it became mm-hmm. bugs. Interesting. Like for for the record, this is not the worst thing Rob has ever shown me. No, this is a no, no. I'm glad you you don't say that because this is a fucking masterpiece, Zach. <laughs> okay, so that's Urban Cream, and so as Urban Cream fades out, you know, we get the monkeys to bugs, and then we get into the song that's called Working, and this is I don't I don't remember. You might have had a summary for this one, but this is where the white haired person. Uh, sets up the drum set on the rocks, the field of rocks. Did you have a, a summary or a note for this one? Uh, yes, the guy in the rocks with mm, a very okay. twirling man. He's uh, building a yes. drum set. Yes. So, so the building of the drum set is this is the the seventh. Uh, sorry, yes, the seventh track working, and that transitions once the drum set is built. That's the start of the song Tantrum Barb, which is where the twirling hairy man comes back in. So, so working, I really like the song working. It's very light. It's very airy. You know, maybe got a, a few little, little bells, raindrop sounds, and you got one of them sing, singing, you know, very lightly. Um, but the person setting up the drum set, whose face we don't get to see in the movie. Uh, if you do get to see his face, it's just like the chin, and maybe in the next track. Um, but that is the last member of Animal Collective we have not hit. Noah Lennox, otherwise known as Panda Bear. Uh, I really like his solo stuff. Out of all the Animal Collective members, he has my favorite solo stuff. Um, he's not the drummer. He's you know another one of the singers, and he does a lot of the piano playing and sound engineering. Um, but he is setting up a drum set in this one, and when he sets it up, he just starts banging on it like a pro, and we get our track Tantrum Barb. And so Tantrum Barb, the eighth track... Um, like I mentioned before, you know, watching this in freshman in my undergrad with a bunch of other people that were not into Animal Collective, didn't know Animal Collective, this song was like the takeaway winner. Like, people actually liked this song when we watched it the first time. Uh, you know, because while you got this dude swinging the stuff in front of the waterfall, uh, the night from before, so uh, Brian White's, you know, that's pretty comical. It's just like a shot of this dude swinging something. And he's that, just kind of like screaming at the camera. What is he twirling? So I don't know for sure, but my theory is that he is twirling the orbs that he was washing earlier in the visual album. Like he's cleaned oh. them off, and now he's ready to swing them around for some reason. <laughs> so that's, that's feel, my that's my I theory. don't feel bad when Rob is just as confused as I am. I actually feel good that I didn't miss anything. <laughs> yes, this is this is definitely difficult to take a lot of connectivity from, I believe. But you know, I'll 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 find a way. But, um, well, like with Perfect Hair Forever, you were like, remember this part when this happened? And it's like, yeah, ha ha ha, yeah, ha. <laughs> and this though, it's like, oh, I know what he's talking about, and he's just he's assigning value to it. He yeah. really doesn't have that much much more basis to his decision than I do, or opinion. Yes, yeah, good point, good point. So, so did you find this, uh, this the man, hairy man, swinging stuff, screaming at the screen? Did you find that comical? I don't know, comical because there's really nothing in this is meant to be funny. Yes. Yeah, nothing's like, intentionally funny. Uh, but I remember watching this; people laughed for sure at, oh, my, no. at this. 
<laughs> well, like I said, again, going back to the worst way to watch this, I watched this by myself. It's probably worth pointing out that with any cinemati, the, 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 you probably need a, a nice group of people. Like, a cinemati is probably much more appreciated the more people you have in on it. Yes. Like, like there's, probably, there's probably no sadder cinemati than watching it by yourself, <laughs> i.e. me. If I was with a bunch of people, I would imagine that would have been a haha moment. But sure. when it's contained just to watching it in an academic exercise, which is pretty much what I was doing with it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stand out in that way. No, because there's too much weird stuff going on for that to stick out. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Well, so in, you know, that first viewing, the first few viewings of my undergrad, uh, this, this track, this segment stood out because of that. People thought it was funny. And also because this, the song is, I think, uh, kind of more upbeat than anything else we've had on the album. There are a lot of lyrics in this track, uh, and they follow like a very, uh, quick, quickly paced pattern. Uh, it's pretty catchy and, you know, we'll throw a clip in here. And I remember this was kind of my my leading favorite song from the album, Odd Sack, when I first listened to it. I was like, man, Tantrum Barb is great. It's got that really good, you know, animal collective melody and beat. Reminds me of stuff off of Meriwether Post Pavilion, uh, which is probably their most accessible album. Okay, right on. So so Tantrum Barb, the guy's swinging stuff, uh, probably or maybe the orbs from before. But that is that same person. So that's this track is kind of, you know, in that arc of this person washing those orbs and things like that. Um, at the end of this track, you know, it kind of just goes into more seizure swirls. Something that I always thought is interesting, you know, that I picked up after years of watching this. In this track, in the visuals at least, we do get some flash forwards. They show some very quick shots of the uh, silly hat man and the women in the house, like doing the cooking stuff that's going to happen later on. And so, you know, I'm not sure how that ties into this arc, really, but it's always interesting to see, you know, once you kind of know that's going to happen, you get some quick flashes of it uh, when this person's swinging his orbs. Cool stuff. Okay. And then we get into what I uh, believe Zach described as, well, well, I think I'm going to ask him what he specifically made him write it, but I would say this kind of whole next segment is Rob Zombie's wet dream. Is that what you said? Yes. Yes. So what... Do you remember what caused you to write that specifically? Like what, what you saw that we were that you made that note for? I'm going to answer that question with another question. How do you identify or differentiate one uh, grain of sand from another? It's kind of like everything in here is just Rob Zombie. Like oh my God. <laughs> it's like it's people with long hair doing weird crap, and there's <laughs> and the rock and roll music playing. <laughs> It's like, like, I would imagine Rob Zombie would be like, sold. It's like, I want all of it. Like I said, okay, I just watched okay. it and screened Rob. Like I said, I'm not a huge Rob Zombie fan, but I know. The, no, I, I know. I. What's the infamous saying? Like, like when it came to like defining pornography, like I can't define par- pornography, but I know it when I see it. Yeah, It's, gotcha. it's kind of like that. Like, I can't put my finger on specific elements, but I know this would be something that's definitely in the vein of Rob Zombie. Okay, okay, okay. I can see where you're coming from on the visuals. Um, I do. I know nothing about Rob Zombie's music. I, for, I know forever, that. forever know that Animal Collective is incredibly more sophisticated than Rob Zombie. I'm sure that's that's a hot take to some people, but I'll sta- <laughs> I'll stand by that. <laughs> 
I, I, I wish I could say that was um, controversial, but I have no idea if it is. <laughs> okay, I, I don't. Is there like, somebody? Is there somebody out there right now that like heard heard that and just like took their computer and just threw it across the room? There very well could be. I try to distance myself from the people that really like Rob Zombie. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> but like other than Rob Zombie, is there anyone that feels strongly about Rob Zombie? <laughs> like, are there people out there that are really like, like into him, like really I mean, hardcore? Maybe, maybe Marilyn Manson because they tour together. But I can't imagine him caring that much either. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Okay, well, anyway, Rob Zombie's wet dream. We start. The continuation with the ninth track on this visual album, Lady on the Lake, we start or continue the uh, vampires story arc. And Lady on the Lake, very quiet song, very, very kind of, you know, dim visuals. Uh, I, the vampire kind of, you know, he leaves his boat, he's on the edge of this lake and he's creeping up on this lady who's just kind of doing laundry in the lake, like actually like washing clothes in the water of the lake. Um, this, this song, I really didn't like, I didn't care for this song for a long time. I should say, you know, like and dislike for Animal Collective is kind of irrelevant for me. They're one of those artists where whatever they do, I'm going to respect it. I might not enjoy listening to it. There's certainly albums of theirs that I don't listen to regularly, but, you know, I respect what they're going for. Um, this was one of those things. I didn't really enjoy it too much, but as the years have passed, I really appreciate it for how simple it is. Like, you know, it's kind of, there, there's just like a cowbell and someone's voice and it's not even really there's a little bit of lyrics but it's kind of like a lot of breathing like and it's very interesting it's a very kind of interesting composition uh so i appreciate this song a little bit more but this is probably the most boring part of the visual album for me because it's not like we have seizure swirls to watch. It's not like we have, you know, anything entertaining to really see. It's just this woman doing laundry. Like, it, it is a little... It's, this, this is where it kind of dips in the, in the pacing for me. Um, did, did you get any sense of that? Or with a woman doing laundry? Or what did it make you think of? That's, that's part of the Rob Zombie part. You have, like, a woman doing something that's a little weird. Okay. Not entire. It's like taking a very basic thing, yet... I'm trying to think, there was a Rob Zombie movie where he had his wife that he always likes to, like, abuse. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Sherry Moon. Sherry Moon Zombie. I haven't thought, wow, I haven't thought about her name in a while. <laughs> and, and like, taking her, I think, like, a woman that looks, like, that's, like, kind of pretty, but at the same time kind of homely, mm -hmm. and then giving her something, like, normal to do, but making it look weird. Yeah, like that's that that's the Rob's. Okay, thank you for putting for for recollecting to me what happened, because that's what that's kind of like a Rob Zombie thing, taking a very boring, marginal thing and making it like weird. Okay, but like, but not convincingly weird. Like, just like it's like, oh, like this is supposed to be weird, I guess. Yeah, I I've always gotten the sense that because the vampires, you know, sneaking up the next track is in the next segment is the campfire scene where the vampire like attacks them. So I've always gotten the sense that this was supposed to be building suspense for that, but it does not achieve that. There you go. See, there you go. That's the Rob Zombie wet dream. Okay. Building up to something, and it goes no. It's kind of like a a wet firecracker. Yeah. It's like it, it was never going to be really exciting in the first place. So you have like the bare minimum of like a threshold to get to for like exciting people, mm -hmm. and you fail even to do that. Perfect. Yep. There yep. you go. Rob yep. Zombie in a nutshell.
Gotcha. Boom. Gotcha. Okay. So that's Lady Kill on the Lake. Two birds with one stone. It's <laughs> two different things at once. So that's Lady on the Lake. Uh, but and, before, the, and for the record, wait, and before anybody gets mad at me, we're going to play once again. Here's another song that I listen to so you realize I have no right criticizing anything. Was that S Club 7? I love it. <laughs> All right. So that's Lady on the Lake. After Lady on the Lake is where the vampire stuff picks up. Yeah. Track 10, which is called Fried Camp. So now this this is, a, this is an important scene. I really love this part of the visual album uh, because, you know, it's not a visualization. It's not seizure swirls. It's an actual, like, outdoor scene where we get some good, you know, actual cinematography, camera work going on. And what we get to see are these people sitting around a campfire. So there are four people sitting around this campfire, and there are certainly shots where we see all four of them together in the same frame. But it's an adult man, an adult woman, along with a, a, a child woman and a child man. <laughs> so here's the thing, and I, I want to know if you picked up on this, Zach. I think that the child and adult pairs, like the man pair and the woman pair, look incredibly similar. Like, I think the little boy looks a lot like the older guy, and the little girl looks a lot like the older woman. What do you think? Did you see this at all? Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't, if I did, I didn't really think it was noteworthy. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Because again, as I was watching it, it came. I, I, I was kind of at this point getting a little disenchanted with it because like the, wet, the 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 Rob Zombie's wet dream happened. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this like it's like, oh no, this is this is falling under that kind of trope. And I'm like, uh, I don't uh, don't like this. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh wait, because again, I was also becoming very disheartened because it's like, oh, someone's just taking like home movie footage and just like superimposing it with a weird sort of like grain and lens on or color correcting. Mm-hmm. On the image, I'm like, this is so lazy. And then when it eventually goes off the rails, yeah, then I then it kind of reeled me back in. Okay, yeah, yeah. That the, the lady on the lake and the lead up to the camp scene is really the low point. I think that's where it dips down. Absolutely. Um, so so I bring up the 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 lookalike aspect because I don't know. There, there's something about this scene. I'm not sure if I if I fully understand it. Well, I, I think I know for a fact. I don't fully understand what's going on. Um, but th- there's part of me, kind of, you know, the years I've watched this has just formulated the idea that we're kind of seeing like two versions of this campsite. You know, it's kind of like the kids are the younger versions of the adults. And it's kind of like there's there's two different time periods of these people people's lives that are existing in the same campsite. Does that make does that idea as I'm explaining it make sense? Of course, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, in it, ma- it makes sense as a concept of explaining this. Yeah, yeah, because what kind of happens to the adults and the kids are are kind of similar because the kids, you know, kind of just you know disappear after a little bit. They have a bad experience. I think they, you know. Kind of they they cook the marshmallows. We see that, but then once the marshmallows are eaten, it really kind of focuses on the adults, and it's we start getting all those close up shots of the adults' faces when they're eating the marshmallow, 
and you get one of my favorite things ever. I absolutely love this. The music, the visuals, everything works together. You know, they eat the marshmallows. The music, the happiness in the music kind of dims down. And the weirdness and, like, the, the little, like, errant sounds start to build up. And it starts to get staticky and, you know, kind of uh, cacophonous. And the marshmallows, like, overflow in their mouths. Like, they, like the marshmallow keeps growing and they're, like, suffocating on the marshmallow that they just ate. I fucking love this. That is such an interesting concept to me. Because... You think of like, you know, campfire, tell a ghost story. Let's tell one where actually some weird shit happens at a campfire. That like, you know, the marshmallows, we eat them and they just keep blowing up and they get bigger and bigger. And, you know, they're they're just suffocating us. And I love that concept. I thought I think that is like an actual neat depiction of something like a, a campfire ghost story. What did you think? No, I definitely on a visual level, it works. Um, again, I can't attest to the music playing. But the whole idea of having people like like marshmallows kind of like grow out of their mouths or just mm-hmm. and like it leads to some because doesn't it at one point kind of like I don't know what happens after that though because I kind of lost like, I was kind of just so intrigued what was kind of going on I lost track of the narrative okay I, I lost the narrative in the visuals okay right on um, so you know the marshmallow stuff happens um, we get the people's faces we get some great like intercut shots of incredibly close up like marshmallow and like sugar burning it's really cool you know like maybe you know one second two seconds here or there um but then the vampire attacks the vampire like jumps into the campsite and i think it gets the woman oh he attacks them too yeah so here's here's what i'm thinking the vampire kind of caused this marshmallow thing to happen like that was his way of subduing these people so he could feast on them and, you know, we get, like, the the vampire... When the vampire attacks the campsite, the music just fucking ramps up. That's when we get the heavy techno music, like... Like, it's, it just turns on. And you get, you know, the vampire is just, like, straight going to town on, like, this dude's neck... And if we get some, like, gore shots, there's some blood in his yeah. mouth, stuff like that. And so that that's what I think. You know, I, I think that th- this vampire somehow kind of caused this to occur. Like, that's his, the trap that he laid for these people or something along those lines. That's a great, uh, this this might be my favorite scene in the whole visual album. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely neat. It, it stands out. Yeah, I'm reserving judgment because those, those last two songs are fucking phenomenal in the house but we'll get to that so this is fried camp so you know we the vampire attacks we get the great techno music i was talking about we get a great like drum beat that builds and builds we get animal collective doing their their kind of layering vocals and i don't know if this stood out to you zach but it will always stand out to me i think it's like the greatest transition in any visual album i've ever seen you know, the music builds and builds and builds and builds, and then it ends with one strike of a bell. And the shot, like, immediately goes to the sun. Like, the sun has risen. You know, like, the moon has set, and it's like, boom, and the sun's there. And that's the immediate start of the next song. Um, So, Fried Camp goes into fried vamp. 
So, like, fried vampire, I can only imagine. Because what do we see at the start of this song? The vampire has not gotten back to his boat, and the sun is out. And he's, like, grunting, running through the woods. So this is, this is where you got the zombie thing from, right? Yes. Because it's bright daylight. You can see all the makeup on uh, Josh Dibb as his sad vampire. And he's just grunting, running through the woods. And then the sun starts to affect him. And in, in one of the, I love the effect, or however they do it, you will probably know better than, uh, than I would, when his head starts to bubble in the yeah. sunlight, and it like cracks and different colors start to flow out. Yeah, that is beautiful. Um, what, what do you think? Is that, is that some, some, type, some type of squib effect or something like that? Uh, uh, for the popping part, it would have to be a squib. Yes, yes. But and then, that, for, that bubbling, then for the oozing, really yeah, the oozing. Uh, I have to go back and look at it again just to get a really good idea. But okay. um, no, obviously it's some some sort of uh, oh god dyed. I don't know. It's not, but it's very. I don't. Know, it's too thin for paint, but it's too mm -hmm. thick for like a milk or something. Yeah, probably probably some sort of like dyed milk or something. Cause that's probably that's cheap to do. Okay. Uh, but no, it's definitely that's one of the parts that definitely stood out. That was one of the more. Um, interesting visuals oh yeah i love i love that like the way that you know all those different colors are popping out of his head and when he's like running through the sunlight because there's one uh, part of this where he like seeks shelter he like finds a little bit of shade and he you know his head's kind of starting to crack and stuff like that and then he makes a, the vampire makes a run for it like he just books it through the woods to try and get to his boat and he's like running through the woods there's smoke coming off of him. All these colors are kind of blending together on his face and his body. It's such a cool visual. Um, yeah, we even get shots of where his head bubbles up, but it doesn't break completely. Oh, man, it's awesome. Uh, and then, of course, you know, he makes it back to the water. And as he's getting to his boat, he finally kind of succumbs. And I really love the way that he, he falls under the surface of the water and then the, all the water just kind of bubbles up like a cauldron. And that's our transition into the next track. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's just great stuff. Good. I'm, I'm glad you liked this. I think this, those two, the camp and the vamp, fried camp, fried vamp, I think that's really where we get our, our actual direction, like actual cinematography from Danny Perez. And he does a good job. I, I think it's a great idea and it's executed well. Yeah. Next, the, the, the makeup set. The only thing I like, there's one part where it is daytime. He's running through. It mm. looks a little too homemade. Like, there's no, okay. like, I, I, you know, I hate color. It's, maybe this is kind of like a rock in a hard place and it's unfair. But I, I don't like color corrections yet. At the same time, I hate digital video, like, like in the daytime, because it just looks so plain and bare. Yeah. And so, like, I, I, again, obviously, no one, again, they, they're not going to go rent a, a, a 32 millimeter or whatever. A, a, a film camera and mm -hmm. film stuff. I'm not going to do that though. But at the same time, it's like, eh, I, I don't like digital. I don't like the way digital film looks. I just don't like that. Sure. Sure. No, Especially yeah. for creepy stuff. If you're doing creepy stuff. You need a level of grain. Definitely. You can't do, you can't do creepy without some level of grit. Absolutely. In the visuals. Okay. I mean, right on, right on for sure. The, the music is also great. And during this whole scene when he's like, you know, caught in the sun, it's very droning and they have like this harsh kind of buzz that, you know, rises in tone, so it's like, brown. Brown. 
and there's great shots of like the sun, like just you know fl- lens flares like on the sun. It's very, it, it gives you that kind of conveyance that the sun is trying to kill this vampire, which of course it is. Good, cool stuff. Of course, when he turns into the bubbling cauldron of color, um, we get a shot of that you know kind of bubbling water, and it transitions back to the house from the beginning for track twelve. And I think one of the first things we see are uh, our silly hat man. And now not just one woman, but four women uh, in a kitchen or really just this house kind of set up with tables and food on them. Um, the name of this song is Mess Our House. So hour with an H. So like the time, unit of time, Mess Our House. This song, I've had many discussions with people. There are those people out there that would say this is not a song. Uh, this is the one, Zach, where it is just kind of someone's voice filtered over static and feedback. So pretty much the whole song is women laughing and someone going like, you know what I'm talking about? Not really. I didn't pick up on that. No, you didn't pick up on the on the harsh like like feedback like radio static voice almost. Again, there's a lot of noise in this. Okay, well this this is what stood out to other people. So I was thinking okay. it stood out to you because it's like when we watch this, people are like, "When is this going to end?" Because this is just ridiculous. We're going to put some clips in. I think this is beautiful. This is one of my favorite songs ever. Like, it is just so out there. It is so kind of atonal. That I, I just love it. It's composed but atonal. It's great. This is one that you should go back and check out, Zach. Maybe, you know, just you're, when you're itching to put S Club 7 on, just say, hey, no, I'm going to put this one Animal Collector song on. And whoever's around you, you know, might call the cops. They might ask if you need help or something like that. But it'll be a good time. <laughs> but during this song, the setup is, uh, at least what I take, the creature, the silly hat man from the beginning has made it to the house. He's got that one woman from the start, the other women, and he's attempting to control them in some way. Uh, whether or not he, he has some ability to control them or he's just kind of yelling at them, giving them instructions, it seems like, or I've gotten the sense, that he's trying to get them to do something, and it seems like he wants to get them to cook. Like, he seems like he wants to get them to use the ingredients that are in the house. Because there's, like, flour and eggs and, and like, chocolate and stuff like that. Um, And whatever he's doing to try and control these women is not working. Because they do not cook. And as the song Mess Our House goes on, this creature gets angrier and angrier and angrier. And then when he gets fully angry, we get, at the immediate beginning of the last song on the album, this creature screaming, I hate you all, in a very kind of... Uh, you know, Hallmark Animal Collective Scream. P- uh, David Portner does his I hate you all! And then the song starts. Which, what Zach described as a dance party. Is that right? Yes, dance yes. party. That's, that was my summary. My summary for the last track is everybody dances and runs away. I think that we have to start with the name of this track. This is the last song on the visual album. It is aptly named 
what happened? And they say it a lot, and I think that is, I think that's part of, you know, Animal Collective kind of reflecting on what they've built in this visual album with all these different kind of styles of music, all these different, you know, structures, compositions, uh, stylistic decisions, things like that. Just what happened in this craziness? I love that that's the end of it. This is a great song, though. I think this song has a great beat. I think that it's up, it, you know, keeps you going. And it just kind of, you know, slowly fades out. We get our shot of the grass and the house from the beginning. It fades to black. And that is Odd Sack. So now these last two tracks, Zach, um, one of them is very harsh. One of them, I think, is quite melodic. Uh, what do you think of this ending, I guess? Or we're, we're at, by, this, or we're, by this point, were you just like, I'm along for the ride, like whatever happens, happens, and you were surprised that it ended? And when I was surprised when it just ended, not when it ended, because again, it went by quick. Because I know at the very end, like he's almost above all of them, right? Like it's like they're like, at one point, like he's almost like I don't know, maybe it's just me, but uh, Silly Hat Man is like almost like above. He's not above them, but like they're below him, like at a different level almost. Yeah, I see. I think that's the part where I think of it as them as like running away. Like but they're, they're still it. dancing there. Yeah, they're still dancing, but it's kind of like they're moving away from that house. So I, I, oh. I get, I'm agreeing kind of with what you're saying is they're on a different level somewhat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they were, okay, okay, right on. I, I, it's, a, it's a great, great song, great album. Um, and that's that's it, all 13. Look at that, Zach. We, we did it. <laughs> we did it. You survived. So you're going to watch it again uh, when we're done recording this? Of course, right after I'm done watching Spirit Away for the 478,000th time. Good. I'm glad you're still watching that every day. It's it uh, should be part of the food pyramid, if as far as I'm concerned. Watching Spirit Away and this and this, this should be part of the food pyramid. So I gotta I gotta say, you know, I gotta talk about what what I think this is about. What I think is going on in this movie. Um, the first thing I want to say about this is my actual opinion, kind of, you know, just like I said with the, the different time versions of the campsite thing before, you know, I don't really have any anything to back that up or, you know, how it makes sense in terms of the visual album or the story. Um, th- this next idea I'm going to pitch is very similar. It's just something I've kind of thought of, you know, to kind of rationalize what I'm seeing just for myself. Um, since Animal Collective kind of portrays so many different uh, styles, so many different, you know, different types of music in this, I kind of see this as a collection of, as Zach said before, you know, vignettes, kind of. They're not different vignettes. Some of them are in the same collection. Uh, but really, kind of, you know, this is going through somewhat of a, maybe a, a terrarium or an ecosystem of kind of the sound that exists in Animal Collective's repertoire. And we just get kind of different visuals into that little, you know, branch of reality that we really never had visuals for prior to this. Because, you know, this is Animal Collective's only visual album. So when we see things from the, the silly hat man in the house, you know, that's kind of one section of the of the terrarium or maybe, you know, the menagerie. Uh, you go over to the vampire, that's another little section, something like that. Uh, I don't think these things are overly connected. I don't think this is like one universe or anything like that. But I've kind of just come to think of this as uh, just, you know, different strands of sound, different strands of stories, kind of putting them together in a creative way that Animal Collective likes to do. The thing that I will say because I would be remiss if I did not say it. Um, It has been stated, completely and entirely stated by Danny Perez, the director of of this and a lot, creator of a lot of the visuals, um, 
that there really isn't a story. He doesn't think there is a story. He did not create this with a certain story in mind. It's just more of visuals that go with the music and came about in their collaborative process. Um, so, you know, if, if, you, uh, if you're one of those people who likes to go to the source of the, the creator for their thought, um, then this is a little less structured than you might think. But, you know, I, I still think there's no harm in, in trying to pitch some cool ideas at it. And that's exactly what I've done here. I agree. Okay, so we gotta we gotta ask our real questions now, right? Of is that course. where is that's our next? Okay, so I think we gotta do snack, and I think the low hanging fruit, of course, would be choking on silly hat mans. Oh, you eat a silly hat man? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say you choke on marshmallows. I think I say eat, eat the vampire. Ooh, I don't know with all those colors in them. Oh, that's delicious. That's like blueberry flavored, like pink raspberry. <laughs> so he's like a he's like an everlasting gobstopper, this vampire? Something like that. It's like frosting <laughs> coming out of him. Looks delicious. Yeah, so instead of a chocolate fountain or a cheese fountain, I can just get this vampire and put him out in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and his head will just pour different frosting that we I can dip that, things in. I want that like okay. I want like a cake boss episode. Where like somebody says, I want that as like a, a, that vampire's head as a cake, and I want like frosting, like fluffing out of his head, like like a little <laughs> pump that pumps frosting. Yes, I want that. Yes. Oh my god. Okay. This. How much would this item cost on the menu at our Cinemodities restaurant? Um, it's special order. It's so you have, we would have to the our patrons would have to order it beforehand. Like if yeah, you have, have to call ahead. Okay, so it'd be like my kids having a birthday, and I want to scare them. Let's, or, let's or, or, you're break, or you're like breaking up with your girlfriend, and you're like, "Here, honey, this is a breaking up like party <laughs> present." <laughs> we're breaking up, so we're going to the Cinemodities restaurant. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we're that fits too well. I feel like this should get edited out of the episode because now I think that the only reason people will come to our restaurant is to break up. <laughs> like, that, that's why people come to the Cinemodities restaurant, is to end relationships. <laughs> it's, it's a den of uh, solitude and sadness. Yes! <laughs> and there's a, there's a TV set in every booth. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so I like that. I like that cake idea. Uh, choking on marshmallows, that's always a good one. Uh, I'm not sure how you would do that, if Remember, you're choking on the marshmallow, does that count as eating it? Mm, well, well, I guess really what I'm saying is that you would need to eat the marshmallow, and then it would expand in your mouth. Like, it would do oh, that whole okay. thing. So you would, like, have complete intentions of eating it, but then it would just start to grow and stuff. So remember in our Akira episode, I talked about, like, mar microwaving marshmallows, how it makes it expand? Of course. So that is what I'm thinking of. So you'd have to, like... I don't know, put put marshmallow in your mouth and then uh, find a way to to get the microwave on while your head's in it. And and you're good. You're good to go. I think and, I think that's cheating. That's two microwave marshmallows in like one year. You're only allowed one of those. <laughs> but they're well, in the Akira one, you eat the marshmallow after it's out of the microwave. Here I'm saying you like your head is in you're in the microwave while it's on. So I, uh, I think no. it's a little different. <laughs> Two microwave and marshmallow ideas in the same podcast, at least in a year. I, I think I think we're kind of flirting with danger here. That's not okay. Okay, what about if in this one, it's a walk-in microwave? 
Mm, I'm a little uncomfortable. <laughs> From the fact that it's a walk-in microwave? Sure. <laughs> so it's like you can just walk into this microwave while you're eating a marshmallow, and it'll turn on, and we can see if the marshmallow or your organs explode first. Sure, I'll, I'll fine. Okay, I like that snack. I like that snack. <laughs> okay, any you got any other snacks? I think the um, the marshmallow was you know my go to, and it's kind of been my go to for a while. Thinking of this this visual album, uh, you have any others that pop in your head? No, I think that's it for me. At least food wise, maybe the black goo from the beginning. You could eat that. Maybe like you know, dip a chip in it or something. I'm not a big fan of goos. No, you don't. Not, not the biggest goo not, fan. I'm not not a goo guy. What if it was caviar, like oozing out of a wall? I never had caviar before, so I can't attest to that either. Either mm. way, if you uh, if you just like go get like you know your container of salt, I'm sh- I'm just assuming you have salt somewhere in your house. Uh, if you go get some salt and just like take a teaspoon to the face, just straight salt. That's what caviar tastes like. At least the caviar I've had. Okay. So, you know, um, it's not black, though. So we gotta, we got to, like, dye salt black. Dye salt black. And got then it. have it pour out of a wall, like a, like a natural spring or something. And then you try and, and, then you try and put it back in or, or take it out, and then that's your snack. You got dot, black dyed salt. <laughs> there we go. That's more like it. <laughs> now you sold me. I would love to see that. That's going to be an appetizer on the Cinemodities restaurant menu. <laughs> is it like so it's brought when it's brought to your back. table? Is it like a little like like a little replica of the wall, or do you legit like go to the wall and start? Yeah. <laughs> okay. First, first. Is I it like a say, bizarre, like a bizarro glory hole almost? See, first, first I was going to say it's one of those like little Zen water fountains recreated, oh. to look like the wall. But I really like the idea where you order that and the waiter or waitress is like, it's self-serve, just go up to the hole. <laughs> and you can just see like it pouring from the wall. There's like, there's like a family of four over there trying to figure out how to go, honey, I can't figure this thing out. Yeah, there's a line. <laughs> Someone's got a big gulp next to it. <laughs> Someone has like a bucket. Yeah, oh man. Oh, that's, that's good. It, okay. so, so that would be like the uh, salad bar at the cinema at these restaurants. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that'd be the salad bar. Oh, I dig it. Okay, okay. Right on. Nice snacks. Good snacks. Good snacks. Um, what else? What else we got? Um, Cinemonity, late night. Is that what we want to do, what we want to do next? I think so. I think we've, I think we've uh, delved into the food enough. Yes. And, and you know what? I, I have to say... Odd sack. I've been waiting to talk about this for a long time on Cinemodities. This is what I would say, from the best of my recollection, this is the film or the piece of media that started the late night movie concept for myself. Like, this was the thing I was like, I need to make people watch this before they go to bed. Like, this is where the whole, like, you know, when they don't have a choice... They're stuck in my apartment type of thing. This is what I will show people. I have had people run out of the room putting this on, like in the middle of it, before I put it on, because they know I'm going to put it on. Uh People have ran away from this. I have friends that strongly dislike this film. And that is part of the reason why I just wanted to show it as a late night movie even more. And it really just kind of kicked off that whole thing of showing people late night movies. So is this a late night movie for me? 
Absolutely. And it always will be. I've talked about before, I don't think in a while, you know, would these things be on the queue? This is first on the queue. Almost every time. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I can get behind that. Like, this is definitely a cinema. They, mm-hmm. um, there's no real, like, because like, how I, over the course of the 20-something episodes we've done of this so far, where Rob has this thing where he has, like, he doesn't do it as much now as he did in the beginning. He's like, we got people in your clutches, and you're selling <laughs> them a dirty, a dirty, filthy movie. <laughs> and you're trying to elicit a reaction from them, and like I, I don't have that circumstance. I've never been, I've never been around people who are like, like my go-to would be obviously Eraserhead, but I'm very protective of that film because I feel you only show out the people that have the that you think will appreciate it. Where Rob takes more of a shotgun approach and just loads the cinematis into the shotgun, just shoots people in the face with it. <laughs> I, I, I'm much more reserved. Like, yes, <laughs> exactly. And so I look at my way of looking at this. Like, well, I sh- would this be something I could show on Halloween? Like, oh. is this something I could put on the side of my house and like get people? Like, would people be intrigued by this? And because there's like, the only thing I would say would disqualify it is that the sound would definitely push people away. Mm-hmm. Like, as I was watching this, I was thinking to myself, like, if I could somehow put my own soundtrack to these visuals, like not by soundtrack, I don't mean S Club Seven. Yes, I mean yeah. like like if I could put like a little bit more of like a a spooky macabre soundtrack yeah, to this, yeah, I could really get on board with because the visuals are there. Like only a few times do the visuals kind of fall apart, mm-hmm. but I, I I think it's a cinematic, but the soundtrack the, sin, the soundtrack's a little iffy in my book. Okay, uh, would you ever think of maybe uh, putting a just a portion of this as a on your Halloween playlist because you know like the last two songs come to mind, like with the creature in the house and the women. Oh, definitely. Oh, like that. Could, uh, yeah, that seems something like you get that up on the, on a projector side of a house on Halloween. People be like, what the hell is that? You know? Yeah. The, the, the zombie, the zombie, the vampire. Yeah. Yes. The dance yeah. party. No. Um, I, I think the, the, the vampire, anything involving him, mm-hmm. anything that has, it has like a character that, that has some sort of visually interesting appeal to him because, um, Silly Hat Man, his parts are a little too, uh, they're color-corrected red, or, or the, yes, uh, yes. the lens is red, so it's hard to discern what you're looking at with him. Sure. That's one thing you got to realize, the bigger the screen, you got to make your 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 mm-hmm. objects very, very clear and defined. Yeah. You can't be abstract when you're showing things on the side of your house. Mm-hmm. In your in your tablecloth made screen that you very poorly tie to the sides of the garage, um, but no, actually no. Portions of this, yes. Anything with the vampire, I'd be inclined to put up. Uh, but no, okay. definitely, I, I can see where Rob's coming from with this. This is definitely a cinematic. It's weird. Um, the music's weird. Um, this the music a little. The, the music's a little too intentionally off putting. At uh, certain parts, yes. I, I think I think for most people, not not to Rob the Robs of the world, no, but. <laughs> To to the uh, uh, I guess the musical layman. Sure, sure, that's fair. And you know, I think that's a just a, a criticism that Animal Collective faces quite often is that you know they are not um, highly accessible. You know, you get someone who has listened to rap all their life or pop or classic rock, and you throw them something that's this experimental. It's not always going to be an immediate you know latch onto it. it. Takes time, especially you know my. Um, the, the people I lived with in for two years in my undergrad, you know, I was really into Animal Collective and I played it for them a lot and they did not like it at the start. But now, you know, something six, seven years later, we're going to see Animal Collective in concert together. So it grew on them. So, you know, I'm, I'm well aware that this is not a, 
not the music for everybody. <laughs> All right, Odd Sack. I'm glad we did it. Uh, you know, I, I think we'll make it a tradition. Uh, we'll do an episode on Odd Sack every month. What do you think? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, do you have anything else to say about Odd Sack, Zach? Odd, uh... odd, odd Zach? <laughs> Odd Zach, yes, I am. I am the uh, connoisseur of context, the snack master. I would take the Lego maniac. Oh no, let's let's Zach. replace let's replace Lego maniac with Odd Zach. I like that. Never, never. I I am I am the Odd Zach. <laughs> oh man. Okay. No, that's cool. I like that name. Okay. Anything else? Anything else about Odd Zach? No, I think that's it for Odd Zach. Okay. Well, um, I think to wrap up, I would I would like to to one. I'd like to give a little little idea of what we're going to do next week with our visual albums. I like this little tie together because, of course, I love visual albums. We're doing a, we're doing a classic. We all live in a yellow, red, blue, green. Yellow, <laughs> red, blue, green. Yes. Yellow, red, blue, green. We are talking about the Beatles visual album Yellow Submarine, uh, which I, I will always love the Bill Hicks quote. He said that uh, this was the album or the visual album where the Beatles finally got so high they let Ringo sing a song. Shit, man, the Beatles were so high they let Ringo sing a couple of tunes. <laughs> Tell me they weren't partying. We all live in a yellow submarine. What? We all live... You know how fucking high they were when they were They had to pull Ringo off the ceiling with a rake to sing that fucking song. John, get Ringo. He's up in the corner. Put him down. Wow, look at him scoop. Grab him, John. Grab him. He's got a song he wants to sing us. Something about living in a yellow tambourine or something. I fucking love it. Uh-oh, John just went up there. Oh, shit. Get your... Oh, just bring the microphones up here. We'll sing from the roof. On behalf of me and the band, I hope we pass the audition. <laughs> and, of course, Yellow Submarine is the one Ringo wrote and sings. So, yeah, it's going to be our next stop in the visual album tour. Um, we got some other good ones in this series. But I think the last thing we have to say is, how do we end this episode, Zach? I Grab think one I steam have... backwards. No! No! <laughs> no, we have a plethora of fantastic music to work with, and you want to use the Gremlins theme again? <laughs> backwards. You, you had a problem with using microwave marshmallows twice. What if we use the Gremlins theme? Like, isn't one of our episodes just the Gremlins theme backwards for 90 minutes? I'm pretty sure that's that's, a pre- that's essentially the perfect hair forever episode. <laughs> no, Zach, I think that we should uh, take advantage of screens and play some of that backwards. The beautiful song on the album. That's what we should do. What do you think? I think I don't have a choice in this. Okay, you are correct. Let's do it. Odd sack. Yeah.